I don't care who's first or who last, but I know that y'all just better rock this at the drop of a dime, baby. This is a Joe Rock Welcome to the Football Cypher here on the Football Game Plan Podcast Network. I'm Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook. You can follow me on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. I'm joined by my fellow analysts, Chris James, Gene Clemens, Teron Davenport, and Brandon Howard. You can follow Chris on Twitter at CJFlorida9, Gene at Gene Clemens, Teron at T Davenport underscore NFL, and Brandon at B Howard underscore 81. Make sure to subscribe to the Football Game Plan Podcast on iTunes. And leave us a five-star rating. That's where you can find all of our many different shows. You can also find them archived on our website at footballgameplan.com slash podcast. And finally, don't forget to check out and subscribe to the Football Game Plan Network on YouTube, located at youtube.com slash footballgameplan. If you're not familiar to what a rap cipher is, it's a crowd that forms in freestyle raps as they pass the mic around. And you won't see that here. We, there won't be any rapping going on. We'll just pass the mic around and keep the football takes flowing. So we're going to kick off our NFL team previews in the cypher, and in this episode, we'll take a look at the Cleveland Browns and some of our biggest questions heading into the 2017 NFL season. And I will kick this one off, guys. Should Deshaun Kaiser, the rookie quarterback out of Notre Dame, start week one? Um, I think that it's a no-brainer, Emory. I think that they don't have anything to lose. I think that um, not having anything to lose mixed with the fact that Deshaun Kaiser's um, unique skill set, um, being able to be an effective um, passer and an effective runner, makes him ideal to run a, a, a Hugh Jackson offense. Um, I think it gives them the be- their best chance to win. I think it, it allows them to develop their quarterback at an early age. And I think that they don't have anything else to lose because – they're playing with house money um, this year because, in my opinion, it's either going to be someone saying, oh, give Hugh another year, or they're going to be like, well, maybe Hugh Jackson isn't built for this and railroad him like he got railroaded in um, um, in Oakland. So anything to lose, he might as well go down with all of his bullets um, you know, shot from the gun. Yeah, you know, I think he, he should start. And you look at the way he got thrown into the fire at Notre Dame, and, and you know, he won games for them after uh, the, the injury to uh, Zaire. And this second year, this past year, obviously he didn't have the same success, but you take away some of the guys that got taken away, C.J. Procise, you know, Will Fuller, uh, David Robinson's son, uh, quit football. So you take a guy's weapons away – you use the Carson Wentz, you know, argument. You take a guy's weapons away, he, he may struggle a little bit more. I, I think Kaiser has a big arm. Uh, you look at some of the weather situations he had to play in at, at Notre Dame last year, and obviously the weather in Cleveland is, is not the, the best. So I, I think he should start. What else do they have on the roster? I mean, Osweiler obviously is not the option. So, yeah, definitely give him a start and, and get things started with, with uh, Hugh Jackson and the official new era now that they got their quarterback. Yeah, I mean, uh, is he going to start week one? 
Probably not. Um, should he start week one? Absolutely. He definitely should. You, you learn by playing. You know, you don't learn by sitting on the bench, you know, holding a clipboard. You know, you, football is a reaction game. You know, and there's nothing that he can learn on the sideline. And there's no way that he can react to the defense by sitting on the sideline. There's nothing that he can do. So um, he's going to be a better player the more he gets onto the football field. They've beefed up the offensive line. There's absolutely no reason in the world for them to just have a talent like that sitting on the sideline uh, uh, doing absolutely nothing while he's worlds more talented than the other folks that, you know, they have in front of him currently. You know, if this was 2016 and it was Hugh Jackson's first year with the squad and they had that atrocious pass-blocking offensive line that they had last year, I'd say absolutely not save the kid. But they beefed up the offensive line. They've made improvements, especially on the interior, uh, getting in J.C. Tritter and Kevin Zeitler. Uh, Jackson's familiar with the guys that he has on his roster now. I don't want to insult Cody Kessler because I actually think that he's a serviceable quarterback. Uh Brock Osweiler, we saw what he had to offer the last two seasons. Don't be fooled by the Super Bowl run that he made, quote-unquote. Deshaun Kaiser is the guy who they wanted on this roster as the starting quarterback. That's why they took him in the second round. It it was a situational thing where they were able to attain quality talent in the first round, and they got a steal in the second round. They know what they have in front of them, and I think that he definitely should start week one with the way the roster set up this particular year. I agree with you, Chris, because you look at what they grabbed in the first round. They grabbed David Njoku out of Miami. And last year they picked up Rashad Higgins. Um, They also picked up Corey Coleman. So they have weapons. And we saw what Deshaun Kaiser can do with NFL-type weapons. We saw what he can do when when he had a left tackle in Ronnie Stanley. We saw what he can do. He had a guy in Will Fuller. Uh, Billy Brown, Bobby Brown, I'm sorry, uh, the wide receiver. I think that's his first name, but I know his last name was Brown. Chris Brown. Chris Brown. We saw him at the East-West Shrine game. Um, So I think we saw what he can do with NFL talent. Now he's on an NFL team. To me, he's the starter. I've I've always said he reminds me a lot of of what we saw in Steve McNair when he was coming out of Alcorn State. He's a big physical runner. He's a guy that has a deep ball accuracy. He's shown he can, you know, be battle tested. Me and Toronto was at the Temple game. Uh-huh. He came back against one of the a, a defense that had what five or six NFL players starting on that defense, brought them back through the game winning touchdown and had one of the best runs I've seen in college football. Uh, where he broke away from defensive backs on like an 80 plus yard touchdown run down the sideline. So that's the guy that they have to start. Like you said, Brandon, they don't get better by sitting on the bench. He's the guy that I think that can get them ultimately where they want to be. And they found their quarterback of the future in the second round. I think it's a great point, Emery. And and to add to it, I I wonder, um, will Hugh Jackson be given enough time um, to turn around this Browns organization? That's a good question. Um, I think he's going to be given enough time because they they saw the the dangers of just you know you look at the Mike Patton situation. Um, obviously, there were there were things not not operating correctly and even taking Manziel, but you can't just move on from a from a coach, and, and I think they believe that Hugh Jackson is the guy to lead that franchise. So I think he's going to get the chance. It's just going to be a matter of allowing him to get their his guys in and uh, get his scheme going. And you know, I, I think once they get things going on the other side of the ball as well, they, they'll be in good shape. Yeah. I also, um, 
I, I think that he'll give, be given enough time. Uh, this Cleveland franchise has had so much turnover. Um, the media scrutiny that you know they would have to endure uh, if they were to kind of flip this thing or you know upset the apple cart once again. Um, I, I don't think that that's something that they want to go through. Uh, you you look at the most successful franchises in the NFL. They keep all their systems in place. Uh, they don't have a lot of turnover, and I think that that's something that the Browns. I mean, look at in their own division. Um, look at the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, however many head coaches in their existence. You know, um, the, you can count on one hand. So um, I really think that that's something that they they want to emulate going forward. Um, you know, they've even spoken about that in the past. So um, I, I don't see um, Hugh Jackson being escorted out of there anytime soon. They knew that this was something that's going to need a lot of, uh, you know, the, the roster is going to need a lot of help. And uh, I think they're willing to give him an opportunity to uh, get that rectified. Yeah, and I agree with you. And Pittsburgh is right there. I think three coaches in more than four decades of, of NFL play. Right. So consistency has been their thing. One of the things that benefits Hugh Jackson here is expectation versus other places. You see, if it was New York and it was the Jets, the New York market wants a winner immediately. If it was Miami, same thing. In Cleveland, they understand what they've been through in the woes. So the fan base isn't going to call for his head immediately. Uh, also, that front office, they're more analytical in their thinking process. And it seems like ownership is really trying to buy into Let's gain consistency. Let's actually build this situation, this brand. The only way I think Hugh Jackson isn't given a chance is if Hugh Jackson starts producing one and fifteen records this year, and then a two and fourteen record the following year, which I don't personally see. So I do think he's going to be given a chance to be successful. I think so as well because I also think that he's a really good coach. You look at that Raiders team, and the reason why he panicked and grabbed Carson Palmer uh, and traded the you know virtually the house for Carson Palmer. Is because had Jason Campbell not gotten injured, that Raiders team was going to the playoffs. Right. Um, it would have been their best team in, in quite some time. We saw what he was able to do with Andy Dalton in Cincinnati, and I thought he was going to be there for a very long time and be their OC and have the Bengals in the playoffs consistently and have them competing for Super Bowls. So I think they understand that they have a really good coach in Hugh Jackson working with a guy, that, you know, a quarterback, uh, in Kaiser, you saw what he was able to do with Kessler, and even for a short period of time, maybe like a game or a couple of series, when he was able to get out of Kevin Hogan. So he's shown that he can coach guys buy in, and they have to give him the time. I think they will give him the time because, quite honestly, the last two drafts, I thought the Browns really knocked it out of the park. I, I hope you guys are right. I think I, I'm inclined to believe that he deserves the opportunity. To, well, let me take that back. I know he deserves the opportunity, and I'm inclined to believe that he'll get it, but I've seen stranger things happen, and I don't know if this Browns team is ready to compete this year, and it is the perfect situation for someone to get snaked and for someone for another coach to come in and swoop and take all of the credit for what um, Hugh Jackson has done to, to lay the foundation. So I hope you guys are right. I just don't know. So you looked at uh, Hugh Jackson, and, and here's my thing. One of the things that I think will allow him to remain there is if he could have a good defense. So 
obviously Greg Williams, he he took over the defense. And I, I want to get from you guys how Greg Williams will impact that Cleveland Browns defense. Wow. Um, you know, I think they'll definitely be more aggressive. They're not going to sit on their heels and wait for what's going to happen. They're going to kind of try to force the opposition's hand is what they're going to do. Uh, Greg Williams is, is an attacking type of guy, and the quarterback's going to end up on his backside uh, when Greg Williams is a defensive coordinator. That, that's just the way he goes about his business. And um, he's not afraid of what you're trying to do to him. Uh, it, it's about what he's going to do to you. And um, they've, they've gotten some, some good personnel in place to kind of uh, do the types of things that, that he, he wants to do. Uh, and, and that's get after the quarterback, uh, down in and down out. Uh, so um, I, I think that's going to be uh, really the, the biggest thing, uh, the biggest change that you'll see on the defense. Um, but we'll see um, as the season goes along if they have the personnel to execute what he's asking them to do. It's going to be twofold. I actually think that the defense will be helped out partially by the fact that the offense will be better this year and able to stay on the field in longer drives. But how does Greg Williams individually help them? You know, the number one overall pick was obviously Miles Garrett. And allegedly he was can't miss like the, the next coming of, of Lawrence Taylor, the way they described it. But what I think he actually was, was a perfect guy for what Greg Williams wants to do. He'll be used situationally to just, just run up the field really fast at the quarterback. We won't actually use any technique. We just want you to attack, attack, attack. Right. And then they got some other good young guys who can make some plays in Jabril Peppers. A guy who, if he stops punching people, will be useful in Kayla Brantley if he can stand on the doggone field. So, so they did fill in some good gaps, and I think that they did have talent. One of the things that they drafted well over the last few years, they have edge rushers all over the place on, the, on a defense. So he's going to rotate those guys in, and it's going to be a nightmare playing against the Browns, at least for the first couple of quarters, with the way that they're going to get out to the quarterback. Well, see, that's what that's the part I want to talk about because you mentioned the fact that they do have a lot of edge rushers. You look at Nate Orchard, who I thought was outstanding at Utah. Carter Schultz, we all talked to, talked to at the East-West Shrine game. The top sack leader, the Buck Buchanan Award winner, at the FCS level, they got him as an undrafted free agent. Caleb Brantley, the guy that can get pressure from the inside. We saw Danny Shelton have some success last year. Ogba was a guy that can rush the passer. Uh, Jamie Meter is another one that can really get pressure on the interior. And Miles Garrett, like you said, he's athletic. He's fast. He can fly up the field. You know, just do that one job that they actually do fine. Uh, and Cardinal Nassip is a guy from Penn State that can really get to the quarterback. And Jamie Collins. So their front seven is going to be solid. And I like that they added guys like Jabril Peppers and Calvin Pryor. So when you add those pieces with the Greg Williams, we saw this play out in New Orleans. New Orleans, under Sean Payton, always had a really good offense. The 06 season, the 07 season, 08, and in 2009, they bring in Greg Williams and they go to the Super Bowl because Greg Williams increased the pressure. He had a free safety back deep that can pick the ball off and, and create turnovers. And I think they have that, quite honestly, in Ed Reynolds. Ed Reynolds, I like coming out of Stanford. He can pick the ball off. And when you have an aggressive mindset, you force everybody to play aggressive. So you're going to have guys take chances on the ball and pick passes off. I like Channing Stribling that they have. Uh, too bad he got injured in minicamp. Uh, Howard Wilson out of Houston was outstanding. So Greg Williams with this defense, with this personnel, I think you'll see Cleveland go from dead last to at least 15 or 14 in the NFL. And if their offense can play complementary football, 
they'll be vastly improved in 2017. I think that the marriage of Greg Williams and Jabril, Jabril Peppers is a, is a fantastic uh, marriage. Putting those two guys together, when you have a guy like Peppers who's diverse, has a diverse skill set, um, a jack-of-all-trades, maybe a master of none, that, that, that fits in perfectly with a guy like Greg Williams who wants to bring pressure from everywhere and, and with many different looks. And so when you, when you look at that marriage, um, mixed with the pass rushers that they have up front, mixed with those guys that they've added on the, you know, or, or have in the secondary, I think that this is something that's going to be really good for this, for this defense. And, and I, don't, I don't see how they can't be better than they were last year because quiet is kept. Like, their defense wasn't the reason they were getting, you know, smoke. They just didn't have consistent offensive play. So I think when consistent offensive play will help the defense and a guy like Greg Williams being able to dial things up from everywhere is going to definitely help. Yeah, I agree with all of you guys. And I, I think, Emory, you make a good point with about the acquisition of Calvin Pryor because you look at what Greg Williams has done in, in some of the other places he's been, whether it's in his last stop with the Rams, you know, you have Mark Barron and, and you use him as kind of a pseudo linebacker, you know, a safety guy that you could drop down in the box. So I think that's what they have in a guy like Calvin Pryor. He'll, he'll benefit from being in this scheme as opposed to, what they were, they had him do uh, with the Jets. I mean, he's not a guy to, to be back in coverage. He's more of a box player. So I think he'll excel, and, and this defense should be in really good shape. Yeah, and then uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, flip it to the other side of the ball um, with the offense there. And uh, Corey Coleman, um, you know, on again, off again with, with injuries last year, uh, had the broken hand. But what do you think that his impact can be on this Browns offense if he is to stay healthy this season? I think that Corey Coleman is one of those guys that he's he's clearly super fast. Uh, he's going to have to get more consistent with his route running. But that being said, he was able to make big plays while he was healthy last year with guys who aren't traditionally guys who stretch the field. So if Deshaun Kaiser does end up playing, uh, they'll be able to get some deep balls to him. And – I don't care what anyone says. You don't luck up into 16 touchdowns receiving in the first like seven games of the season. It's not that that that's a skill that shows that you have something. So I think Corey Coleman has the opportunity to have an almost T.Y. Hilton like effect as he moves forward uh, in the NFL. Well, what's funny is because I always used to saying that people don't see it until they saw it already. And a lot of what we're talking about with the Browns, we've seen it already. Uh, we've seen what Deshaun Kaiser can do with a guy that has that speed, that has that explosiveness at Notre Dame and Will Fuller. He has that same type of explosive talent in Corey Coleman. So I think you'll see him be able to get deep down the field with Coleman. You'll see Coleman run those intermediate in-breaking routes, those deep dig routes, or those deep in routes and have success. And if he can stay healthy, and if they start Kaiser, I know it's a lot of ifs, but if they start Kaiser and if Coleman can stay healthy, Coleman can – put up what we saw him do at Baylor. So a lot of this we've already seen already. We've seen Kaiser behind a very good offensive line. We've seen him operate with weapons. They have a talented tight end, a couple of tight ends on the roster. So I think all of that, in my opinion, will benefit Corey Coleman, and he'll see more one-on-one -on -one opportunities. And he has a quarterback now in Kaiser that can get him the ball. Toronto, you want to just jump in there for Gene? Yeah, yeah, I'll take over for Gene. And another thing with Coleman that I would like to see them do is get him the ball – 
uh, early in games, you know, get him involved and, and get him easy catches and allow him to make plays in space. Cause I mean, let's face it. The guy's a playmaker, obviously stretching the field. He's really good, but I like his yards after the catch ability. So I want to see them get him on those, those, uh, you know, tunnel screens. I want to see him get the, even the, the jet sweeps. So that's an opportunity to just take advantage of his playmaking ability. And I, and I apologize, fellas. I, I, um, I totally agree. Right. I think that, that Coleman has an opportunity to elevate his game because I think the quarterback play is going to be consistent. Um, you know, he's going to get the same guy. It's hard when you're, when you're catching balls from four different guys in one season um, to be consistent um, especially when many of them are looking to just throw jump balls to um, an unpolished Terrell Pryor. And so I think that with a little bit more structured offense, um, more consistency at the quarterback position, I think you're going to see Coleman be the beneficiary of that. Yeah, I, I agree with you all. Um, I, I'm a big fan of Corey Coleman. Uh, when he came out, he was my top receiver. I know a couple of you disagree with that, but, um, you know, Corey Coleman has all the ability in the world. I mean, I know he felt he had some concentration lapses in college as well uh, with some drop balls. But um, this is a guy that um, Hugh Jackson, he thinks the world of. I had a chance to talk to uh, Hugh last year uh, prior to the Dolphins uh, playing the, uh, the Browns. And I asked him about Corey Coleman. He said, uh, this guy, this kid has greatness written all over him. Uh, and then, lo and behold, uh, that practice, you, you, we got the report that he had broken his hand and he's going to be out for a while. So uh, I believe that if he's able to stay healthy and he's able to be paired up with Deshaun uh, Kaiser um, throughout the rest of his career, uh, I think the sky's the limit. And that's the guy that's going to make a lot of big plays uh, for the Cleveland Browns. And I'm going to go ahead and switch back to the other side of the ball and piggybacking kind of off of uh, Teron's question, but can the Browns, have a top half or top 16 defense in the 2017 campaign? I absolutely think so because of the personnel. You got guys that are aggressive, guys that, that love to, to hit, guys that love to find the football, guys that love to inflict pain on the opponent. Calvin Pryor, Jabril Peppers, we talked about those guys on the edge like Agba and, and Orchard and uh, Carter Schulte, undrafted free agent, and, and Garrett, a guy that you know they, they can utilize his athleticism, but – I think there's enough pieces here to play great matchup defense and also allow the Browns to create turnovers. And nothing helps out an offense than more opportunities with the ball. You know, I think that the defense will be much improved. And while I agree with I agree with Emory and everything he said, except I just don't know if they're going to be able to crack that top that top 16. I think that there are other defenses that have. Um, improved as well, and it's going to be hard to supplant those teams. And then there were some teams that weren't top 15 last year that have also made improvements um, that I'm looking forward to seeing. Um, and, and so I don't know if they're going to be able to crack the top 16, but I, I think their defense is going to be um, much improved. And I, I I wouldn't be surprised if they're in the top 16. But I wouldn't also I also wouldn't be surprised if they end up as like 18 or 19 as well. Yeah, I, I'm going to say this. I'm not so sure that they would be top 16. I mean, I, I think there's at least two other teams in the division that have a better defense. But the thing that you have to like is that they're solid at each level of the defense. You talk about the edge edge rushers. You talk about playing in in the middle of the field with, with uh, or middle of the line with Danny Shelton. You you got some of the other guys at linebacker. You know whether it, I mean, they have 
guys that could play at each level. You know, Joe Hayden is a guy we haven't really talked about. Jamar Taylor as well. So they have options. Uh, I'm curious how Deion King can contribute. This is a guy I remember back in Norfolk, man. He was always around the football. So I want to see if he's going to get a chance to to play in this defense as well. Yeah, actually, I'm of the mindset that the, the Browns should be able to, to get it done this year and have a top 16 defense. Um, you know, I think with the, the past rushers that they have accumulated and acquired um, in the offseason and uh, actually just the past couple years, uh, you know, and as Emory mentioned, they, they've been killing it in the draft the past couple years with their defensive front and the, the pieces they've acquired there. Um, and then all of that will, you know, play into the secondary, the talent they've acquired in the secondary. Uh, those are young guys, um, you know, some of the guys that they got this year. But once those guys begin to see what the NFL has to offer and the things that they got to do to be successful at the next level, I think that, um, you know, it's all going to play relatively play out relatively well for the Browns. And I think that they, they could definitely get it done and have a top 16 defense. It's also all going to depend upon whether or not they can achieve some continuity on offense, though. You know, sometimes this top 16, top 10, it's a flawed statistic sometimes. I think uh, – one of the things that's going to help them is that a lot of teams are going to go in with the mindset, okay, screw up. We don't want to give them easy points because we want a young quarterback, no matter who starts a quarterback, they're going to be quote unquote young to have to work to get points. So we don't want to screw up against the defense to play a little closer to the vest unless they have a, a, a high, high functioning offense and other teams will have high functioning offenses. And with that being the case, other teams are going to try to put up a lot of points against them and get a lot of yards. Some will play catch up. So what I'm getting to is almost by the function of how they're going to play in their style, they're going to end up having a top 16 rated defense from a yards perspective. Uh, just getting to the point where their defensive efficiency is a little bit better is going to be good for the Browns. But I do think they'll end up having a top 16 defense as far as yards allowed this season. Yeah, it's about Greg Williams and what he can get done with that personnel that he has at, at his disposal. Uh, so I know they're in a tough AFC North division. So starting with you, Brandon, what do you have these guys finishing this season in the AFC? Um, I have them finishing uh, fourth. I think that, you know, they, they've acquired a few pieces uh, that, that, you know, can allow them to improve upon their record from last season, but it's not going to be enough to um, supplant any of those uh, teams that are that are in the division currently. I think it's actually a win for the Browns to get as many wins as their place in the division, which is four. You know, they were 1-15 last year. So getting the, the feeling of, you know, getting a win or two or even having a quote-unquote winning streak is a big uh, upgrade for them this season. So – Coming in fourth is not a negative when you have three teams that have been in the playoffs in the last few years themselves in your division. I actually think they're going to finish third. I think that this year the Ravens take a take a big step back. I just don't know if they've if they've got enough to be able to compete uh, with with those other guys. And I think that the Browns are going to make a, a a quantum leap this year. So I've got them. I've got them finishing third and. Um, the arrow pointing directly up for them. I have the Browns finishing last in the division, and it's just, I mean, it's its a strong division. You look at the Steelers, Bengals, Ravens, these are all teams that have gotten better as well as the Browns. So 
I, I just don't know that that they've made enough strides to be able to finish higher than anybody else in the division. But again, it, I, I think it's definitely pointing up for them. I, I think this is a team that's going to take a step and, and progress towards eventually being a com, you know a competitor to to win the division. And you guys already have my prediction in the video preview that we posted on YouTube. So check that out to get my thoughts. But that's it for this episode of the Football Cypher. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. For Chris, Gene, Brandon, and Teron, I'm Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook, and this has been a Football Cypher on the Football Game Plan Podcast Network.